Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host. I almost said it. I'm your host at Harrison NFL. See what's happening to me? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm your host, Elliot Harrison. I'm joined, as always, by at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. Hello, Elliot. I'm so excited today to do our 2024 mock drafts. It's the best time of the year. <laughs> Gosh, man, dude. Like, seriously. I mean, I am so, I'm so drafted out almost at this point. I've allow, I'm allowing one more podcast because my friend's coming on and it's not you so we can't, uh, i can't tell you about kool-aid history from alabama <laughs> cornerback what was our guy uh this is the real player by the way <laughs> no i can't remember our other guy uh i don't know uh, uh, chalkmond yeah yeah, yeah yeah former d2 <laughs> receiver could have made it big could have made it big as slot receiver Oh, man. Yeah. So we are uh, kind of wrapping up the draft uh, coverage. We'll probably talk about it here and there uh, over the summer, but this is going to be our last big podcast on uh, the 2023 NFL draft, because in a few minutes, we're going to bring on uh, my buddy, Chad Ryder, who I worked with for a really long time. If you uh, uh, are new to our podcast, we had Chad on last year during draft season, and I always really have respected Chad's approach, the way he thinks things through. He always explains it really well to me when we're just on the phone. Uh, he's a lover of the original Star Trek series, which makes him superior to Marcus. Right. And so there's all those things. Um, and he's got a great, Chad's got a great, like, second-in-command beard, like, of a Western. Not the sheriff, but, like, the guy that says, yeah. Yeah, I got it. That guy, yeah. Back has guy. one of those yeah. beers. Yeah, the backup guy. Yeah, he's got like one line. Um, real quick, though. Uh, so, by the way, with Chad, we're going to get into uh, some, he and Marcus have a few guys that they think are question marks as they head to their NFL teams. And it's debatable how great a pick they were, uh, but all for different reasons. We're going to get to that in uh, a second. I wanted to just discuss real quickly, uh, Marcus and I were talking on the phone. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. Like last year, the Eagles went out, got A.J. Brown, made a huge difference in their team. I think they don't get to the Super Bowl without them. And that these kinds of teams like Philadelphia who are in this championship window need to look at the draft purely as capital to either go get what they need or maybe draft for need more than taking best player available. Marcus, I guess my first question to you is, did you see any of that from any of our Kansas cities, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, what San Fran, Dallas, am I missing anybody? Yeah, we only had... We only had one trade of a veteran, right? It was DeAndre Swift, who, of course, went to the Eagles. That was our only team that was a little bit aggressive trading for a player. I, I wish we would have seen more, more of it, to be honest. Yeah, and I don't know how much I could say these teams. Uh, and when I mention these teams, I'm talking about the teams that we think legitimately uh, could win the Super Bowl this year. Buffalo, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philadelphia, maybe Dallas, although they might be a little bit on the fringe there. Kansas City, Miami might be kind of like 
the AFC's version of Dallas, mm-hmm. Marcus, I think all these teams, I, I wish they would look at need a little more than usual. I, I said this on a previous podcast. I wanted Philadelphia to trade up and get the safety you guys like so much, you and Chad, uh, from Alabama that ended up going to Detroit. Great pick for them, but I, I thought Philadelphia should go get him. Yeah, not to spoil the show, but we're going to talk about that same safety in a little bit. But I wanted to see, like, the Bengals go get another playmaker. Like, do you really have to roll with Irv Smith as your tight end this year and Tyler Boyd as your slot receiver? Like, go use your first-round pick to get somebody that can actually change your offense. That didn't happen. They went defense. Uh, Buffalo, the same thing. They drafted Dalton Kincaid. Why not go get somebody a little bit more proven to make your offense that much more explosive? Do you, Cincinnati is not on our rundown. I think Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl this year. I've already predicted. I think it's Philadelphia over Cincy uh, for our next Super Bowl. Uh, what are we on? 58 now, I think. Um, do you remember who Cincinnati's second round pick was? Oh, Man, no. without looking. No, I What's don't that? remember. I don't Come remember. Come on. Well, I don't think it was a top flight running back. No, it was so, not. I, I just uh, before we get to Chad, isn't that like a move that we're talking about? You, you don't necessarily have to go trade for a guy, but I think Cincinnati's got a question mark there, and I think it's something that would help them get to the Super Bowl. That's what I'm talking about. Like either go in on day two, draft more for need if you're going to take best player available on day one. Um, and Cincinnati got a defensive end right uh, yes. from. And then- uh, Clemson, Clemson, DJ Turner yeah. was their second-round pick. I just thought of uh, the corner from Michigan. Oh, nice work. Well, they could, they could use some secondary help. Every team can always use secondary help, just about. But um, those kinds of moves, do you think we'll see those more in the future going forward that teams are going to look at their window and say, hey, let's get rid of some picks and go get who we need? Yeah, and I'm hoping that we still see some this year. Maybe we get a little bit closer to the season or we're a couple games into the season. And maybe Miami is 4-0 and like, hey, let's go out and trade for this awesome running back that can help us this year. Yes. Maybe that's where the Bengals say, hey, Atlanta, you guys are 1-3. and three. Here's our next two first-round picks for Kyle Pitts. That's what I'm hoping we see more of, these teams being aggressive in Super Bowl windows. Last question before we bring Chad in here. Do you think the NFL trade deadline's too early? No, I think it's about the right time because I think if it was any later – uh, you would see just teams dumping players, you know, just to tank, right? And I, I, I don't think that's a good idea either. I think week seven, week eight, it's about the right time to have it. Right, right. Well, it's an interesting discussion, and we can d- dive in it more in the offseason. It's something that he and I have talked about privately a lot. I'm talking about Marcus like he's not here. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting topic because I, I really think if you look at the last few years, the teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, a lot of them have made moves. We've talked a lot about the Rams uh, with the moves they made in 2021 to go get Von Miller, to get Odell Beckham. Obviously, mm-hmm. they traded for Matt Stafford, and they had to trade draft capital and Jared Goff uh, to do that. But let's bring in the man himself, uh, Chad Ryder, longtime NFL draft analyst, longtime uh, with NFL.com. Well, excuse me, NFL media. Uh, <laughs> Chad, how are you, man? Oh, great, man. I've loved you guys a long time. I love I love you guys. It's, it's great to be on with you guys again. And if you don't think contending teams are looking at their needs when they're when they're picking dudes, let's take Jake Moody, the kicker that went mm. to the 49ers in the third round. Talk about a need pick. My goodness gracious. So uh, I think they do that a little bit. 
You know, just while we're on this topic, before we get to you guys list of kind of controversial guys going forward, um, do you would you just as an outsider looking in, obviously, you don't work for a team, but would you like to see uh, some of these GMs say, look, we don't need our second and third round draft pick. We need I'm just making this up. We need a slot corner. Let's go trade for this guy. We'll worry about the ramifications down the road, or are you more of the, Hey, why not go 10 and seven every year and be relevant and keep your picks, but maybe not win the Super Bowl? No, I think teams go for it a little bit more in it. And um, for example, the Eagles traded for Keely Ringo. They gave up a future pick because they saw, Hey, this guy could actually maybe help us this year. And so I think they do that a little bit more, but it doesn't look as obvious sometimes because you're talking about second. There's only so many first round trades that can be made, right? I mean, there's yeah. Only so, many. so I think teams do that. I think Philadelphia, San Francisco, um, um, you know, Cincinnati. I think they do a little bit of that, but it's also um, part of the, like general managers want to stay employed past next year, and so their their role is really to pull back the reins on those immediate needs a little bit and say, hey. Look, we want to win this year, but we also know Fletcher Cox isn't going to last much longer. And so you got to look a little bit towards 2024. And what I've always said was rookies need to contribute in year one, but in year two, they're often replacing free agents and stuff like that. So I think they do. They force the issue a little bit if they can afford to. But, you know, they have to have at least a two, three year window to look to because you don't want to end up like the Rams who are going to be starting like 10 rookies this year. So, you know, you you try to, you know, try to you know, uh, balance it out a little bit. Oh, it's, it's a great point. And uh, last point on this, sometimes you'll see a team make some draft picks, say in the fourth round, fifth round, maybe even the third, uh, where you're like, well, we don't need that. And you don't realize they might be drafting for special teams. Maybe yeah. they don't need a wide receiver, but that wide receiver is amazing on uh, kick coverage. So right. always keep that in mind when you're looking at third, fourth, fifth round picks in particular. Um, but That being said, you guys came up with a list of eight guys that there's some question marks going forward based on where they were drafted, how far they fell, or what team they went to. Um, Marcus, what were you thinking when you picked your guys here? Like, what 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 was like your thought process on the guys that are question marks? Is it more about the team that took them? Sometimes it's the team that took them. Sometimes it's the fit. Sometimes it's just how early that guy got drafted. So it's a little bit dependent on each situation. Uh, I saw Chad's guys, and I think all the ones that Chad. Uh, picked are all players with one serious red flag in their game that could potentially derail their NFL careers. Well, Chad, I think we start with you. We got the Colts up on yeah. our rundown. I believe this is one of your guys. So we're not looking at Richardson here, are we? Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. So look, I think Anthony Richardson's going to be fantastic, but there's several unanswered questions about him, which is what we're getting into. I mean, look the the accuracy, the ball placement is not pinpoint it just it isn't um and his ability to like thread a ball between levels he he's got some issues with that he's he tries to throw darts instead of maybe you know putting a little air under it but there are so many things to like about his game and you just i love the fit with shane steichen i just think they're gonna do great things together but there are unanswered questions about the way you know whether he can be consistently accurate 
Um, you're going to have to have wide receivers that make catches away from their frame. You have to have those guys available because he's not going to put it on the numbers all the time, which is, I mean, not every quarterback is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I mean, there, there's been guys that have succeeded and we just saw it with Jalen Hurts. So I think as he grows, he's inexperienced. So that's part of another question. Like what have we seen the best of him or is the best yet to come? I think that's the latter but there's some serious unanswered questions there. So that's why I had to include him on the list. Ellie, I want to ask you a question. I think yeah, Richardson has 13 or 14 career starts. With this situation with the Colts, would you rather see him start right away and kind of learn on the fly? Or would you rather see him be the backup for most of the year or half the year and just kind of wait before the Colts thrust him into that situation? I, I think if you feel like he's not ready, you don't thrust him out there because when you're talking, what is he, 21 years old, guys? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you're – look, just as a young man, you're not fully developed yet, uh, any of us, okay? Yeah, and sure. that can really affect your confidence. Look, I always say make these guys compete. But as part – and not when I mean these guys, I mean veterans too. At the same time – if you make them compete and it's clear they're not ready, then that doesn't mean you force them because you spent a high pick. Uh, where, where are the Colts going this year? Nowheresville. I mean, whoever wins that division, which I think we all think it's going to be the Jags. Do we really see the Jags making a Super Bowl run? I don't. No. So even if the Colts somehow eked out an eight and nine division record and made the seventh wild card, they'll get bounced. It's not worth it for the future development of your quarterback. So that's how I look at it. But I see the Las Vegas Raiders here at seven. And I know you loved their pick at tight end from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So which pick is this one? It's actually their first round pick, Tyree Wilson, who – I think deserved to go in the first round. I think he deserved to be a top 15 pick. But my question is the fit, right? You spent the number seven pick on a big 12 edge rusher who's coming off a foot injury, who I think is pretty raw despite being in school for so long. It's how does he fit into this defense? Are they going to play him as a five technique? Are they going to play him as an off the ball linebacker? Or sorry, as like a, you know, an edge rusher and a three, four, I'm just curious to see how the Raiders decide to use Tyree Wilson. Yeah, Chad, I, think I see he, you nodding. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that we don't know. Plus, he never got to work out, so you don't really know. Um, you know, they have past workouts for him, so they have some numbers on him. But but we don't really know how athletic he is in comparison to other guys. Um, coming off the foot injury, also, like you said, he, he was at Texas A&M, so you knew he, he was recruited Texas very well Tech. coming up. Um, no, he, he started at Texas A&M and then oh, he right, transferred yeah, sorry. to Texas Tech. Yeah. So so you knew he was a, a decent enough recruit. And then, but, you know, he wasn't playing at A&M and he had to go over to Texas Tech. And then there was questions about. So there are plenty of questions about him. Uh, but I think it's going to be really fun. You hope that what he can do when he's healthy is push guys to Max Crosby, right? I mean, you, you set the mm-hmm. edge, you you give that left tackle a hard time, and Max Crosby's going to clean up. And I think if you could do that on a regular basis and, uh, you know, allow Chandler Jones to kind of ride off into the sunset, then you got something. This gives me a great opportunity. We have to clean something up on our uh, podcast. Marcus and I could not think of a great, great player, defensive player that came from Texas Tech, Zach Thomas. Now, oh, of course, I, I couldn't think of it because of my memory. Marcus just thinks Zach Thomas is like stinks. Uh, yeah, he always tells me, yeah, he's not Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know you want. All right. 
<laughs> Actually, I won't. Uh, okay, uh, I want to go to the next guy on uh, Chad's list. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles on the rundown. Chad, you just heard me say, I think the Eagles are in a championship window. I think they win the Super Bowl this year. I don't know who this guy is. I haven't seen y'all's list. Is this a guy that's not going to help them win this year? Well, I think so. But the unanswered questions is, what Jalen Carter are they going to get? Is Mm -hmm. he going to mature? Is he going to take that next step? Maybe getting out of Georgia was a good idea. A lot of people thought he would go to Atlanta because of his home. I'm like, no, that's probably a bad idea. You want to get him away from there in that situation. Uh, And and I think in Philadelphia, he's got a chance to be an excellent player. I mean, he's got the most upside of any player in this draft in terms of what he can become. But what is he going to be? Is he going to mature? Is he going to be able to get on the field? Is he going to put in the time and the effort? Is he going to, is he going to become a professional? And so, yes, I think he can help them this year. But more importantly, when Fletcher Cox moves on, um, is he going to be the star that they think he can become? So those are the unanswered questions about him. And, and I think, I think that's like, there is some risk involved in taking him, even though they got him at nine, not, you know, two or three. And it's interesting that everybody loves this move so much, right? You, you look at draft grades, which I don't pay a lot of t- attention to, but everybody loves this move, getting Carter at number nine. There's a reason why the best player in the draft fell to number nine. There's a yeah. reason why the Raiders had him in for a 30 visit, and they ended the meeting after 20 minutes. That's how poorly things went, and you had your GM coming out and saying, we're not drafting this guy at seven. Like, that never happens. Yeah, I do wonder, like... The Eagles already have the best roster in the NFL. Did you really need to take on this extra risk just so you can say, hey, we got we got Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter back together? Like, is that really necessary? I think that's I think that's the reason they did it, because they have the depth that they do. I don't think a team that wanted to make him a franchise defender was willing to take him. But I think the Eagles know they have enough depth. They have enough veterans that they can make it work. And, and kind of to your point, uh, Elliot earlier about the the guys that are the the teams that already have good rosters can take shots like this and um, you know they're not the roster isn't depleted if it doesn't work out as much so uh, lots of unanswered questions about that guy though and we'll, you know we'll see we'll see how it turns out boomer bust Let, right well let's not forget they did lose Hargrave in free agency right. that was a big loss um, but what I love about the Eagles here is they've got Fletcher Cox they've got Brandon Graham it's not just about having bodies they have really mature veterans yeah. that know all about preparation unfortunately we only talk about that with quarterbacks mm-hmm. like right. hey does this guy have you know uh, Josh McCown sitting there with him that's going to help him in the quarterback room you know what 33 year old defensive lineman however old Fletcher Cox is now uh yeah. Helps too. A guy that's played at a high level. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to stay in the NFC East. Marcus's next guy is from the Washington Commanders. Uh, I know we don't, I always say we don't really talk about the Commanders a whole lot. Um, are you down on their, their draft as a whole or just one pick here, Marcus? No, and I'm not even down. Their, their first round pick was Emmanuel Forbes, uh, a cornerback from Mississippi State who has awesome, awesome tape. I, I, I saw a stat from his last three years in high school. In his last three years in college, he has 30 interceptions. Like this guy just takes the ball away at a ridiculous rate. But you drafted a six foot one, 166 pound cornerback in round one. It just seems awfully rich to take one of the, I was going to say biggest outliers, but he's not a big, he's not a big player. Just an outlier that high in the draft. I just, I really wonder if he's going to be able to stay on the field at that weight. 
and it, and it's not like Devontae Smith, that receiver, who is equally thin, but he he a he played stronger than that. B he's the receiver. He doesn't have to push people around. He's right. not tackling. Uh, the other thing is turnovers are fickle, and I know that he's had some every year, but like the ball isn't just going to bounce to you all the time in the NFL. You've got to be able to tackle guys. You got to be able to stay with guys. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the ball will find him. But I, I just I have a hard time using interceptions as the major factor in which to take a guy in something that I won't say turnovers are random because they do put work into forcing them, but they don't, you know, they don't happen when you want them to happen. Right. It's not really a repeatable thing. And plus it's only four. let's say you get five interceptions in a year, right. Which is fantastic. You're still talking about five plays out of a thousand. Right. Right. And look, Trevon Diggs is a perfect example, right? He had so many interceptions next year. Nothing, and he's still giving up the plays on top of it. So you know, you, you be careful it, there, Chad. Just relax. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying, like this, this is what happens. Um, guys get nine interceptions one year, and then zero the next. It it happens all the time. So that you know, I agree that there's there's some risk involved in that pick. I try to remember what movie it is. The, the the actor said something totally ridiculous. Then he goes, "I see it all the time." <laughs> like he says something totally different. I can't remember what it is. Doggone, it's not Naked Gun. Uh, about Diggs, interestingly enough, he may have had less interceptions. I thought he was more effective uh, than he was when he picked off 11 balls. Kind of to your point, Chad. Um, the other thing is, look, I think a lot of these guys, we all did stupid stuff when we were 19, 20, 21 that we wouldn't want on blast. And that, unfortunate can happen with these guys. And, I, and there's the maturity level. But I also would say that physically, as young men, 21 to 25, you can put some size on just naturally, kind of growing into your body. Some people are late bloomers. Maybe he'll just put on a few pounds that way, not even trying to lift Hopefully. and consciously do it. So it is possible. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree that that happens a lot with guys, but seeing him in person, um, yeah, he, he he's not one of these guys that has a frame that you can max out. His ankles are about uh, about yay about yay big, maybe about the size of a Twizzler. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's stark, you know how how thin. But the guy you always come back to is Samari Roll. He was super thin, and and Forbes yeah. had to work his way up to 166 pounds. He didn't play at that. Must be nice. So, um, but again, uh, you know he's got some talent, and I just thought he's more of a value in the second round. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about Trevon Diggs anymore with you two cowboy homers. That's that's for dang sure. Uh, hey, listen, he, <laughs> you're not you're not you're near his homer heart. Now, if you started dogging on Everson Walls, Chad, we'd have words. Well, yeah, uh, that's, that's different. What words do you have? What a terrible segue that I went with the cheesiness of it. What words do you have? I'm doubling down on the Chargers pick here. I don't know what pick it is. So what round? What guy are we talking about? that you have question marks about um, major question marks on Quentin Johnson, the first round pick. I always thought he was a second round value. He's got uh, obviously he's he's got some talent. He's got some excellent body control at times when he's on the sideline trying to make plays. Uh, you know, after the catch, he can do some nice things. But honestly, in terms of his, uh, you know, route running, he's limited. He has been limited in his route running. Maybe he can improve that. And hopefully he will for the Chargers. Um, hands, you know, con- uh, consistency as a as a hands catcher is another issue. So. 
you know, he could turn into something, but we're talking about guys with unanswered questions. Those are unanswered questions. Is he going to maximize his potential or not? Or were they better off taking, you know, smaller guys um, like Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison at that spot? Or is he going to be like a Jonathan Baldwin, Denzel Mim, some of these guys that big? Yes, he's big and yes, he can make some splash plays. But, you know, are the smaller receivers actually better fits, uh, you know, better long term fits? I actually compared him to Corey Davis, so I like this Jets thing that we're doing here between Denzel yeah. Mims and Corey Davis. But I actually like the fit with the Chargers because right. they have an ex-receiver in Mike Williams. They've got a slot in Keenan Allen. Josh Palmer's a fine number three receiver. They're not going to force him into action. And I think yeah. Kellen Moore is the right offensive coordinator for him because he's going to get him involved with jet sweeps and screens and all that kind of stuff. But I agree. I have a lot of questions about his game and this fit in the NFL. What kind of speed are we talking about here, guys, with him? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. He didn't run at the combine, of course. And then you see all these, you know, pictures of him working at his pro day. Oh, 448. And there's no chance. It was a four. I'm sorry. There's no chance. He was 455, probably. And he doesn't have to be a burner to be an effective receiver at all, but like he, he very average speed. No, but it would really help the Chargers game, I think, if they had somebody that could really scare people. Uh, Mm -hmm. like that. And I don't know that they do, Marcus. I I think this offense could use a guy like that. And if 448 scare you, Chad, can you pull out your Gerald Everett uh, draft profile from whatever year he came out? Uh, Yeah, I didn't have him as a second round pick. That's for sure. 2017, baby. (laughs) All right, sweet. Great. We're not doing a pod on that. We're not doing a short on that either. Uh, Let's go to your next guy. You got the Buffalo Bills on the board here. It's not the tight end in the first round, is it? Yeah. Speaking of undersized tight ends, it's uh, on all the first rounders. Well, we were trying to stay with some big names. I got, we got some guys coming up on day two in a second, but I just want to know how the bills are going to use Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox together. Plus all the receivers they have. I like Kincaid. He was my favorite tight end in this class. But why do I get this strange feeling that Buffalo's not really going to know how to use him? Because I think he needs to be like a, a full-time slot guy that you feed a bunch of targets to. I, I don't know. I, 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 I've got some questions about that fit. Yeah. I, you know, we talked about this last year where I thought James Cook would be a good fit for them in the second round. And and it took him like three quarters of the season to figure out how to use him. I mean, it, it, it took time. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how they do that as well. I thought maybe they would go more of the Michael Mayer type of guy that, that could more compliment mm-hmm. um, Knox. But, uh, you know, we also don't know what their long-term plans are for Knox. Um, if they're planning on moving on from him anytime soon, maybe that's they, part of the thought they process. They just gave him a big contract last off season. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was thinking he was coming up this year. But, yeah, okay, well, then I don't know. I was trying to give him the trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I, forgot. Right, I don't man. know either. I have no idea what they're going to do with Dalton. Hey, that's Kincaid. yeah. That's why we're back, bringing these names. The back out. injury is also right. That's an unanswered question too, because he he had the injuries coming off. So you know he, he they sent out the memo saying everything's fine, and of course they're going to do that. But you know that's still a question to be answered. You know, I think one of the offshoots. Of and it started after the 2003 AFC uh, championship game when Peyton Manning threw three interceptions, Ty Law, and the Colts complained. Bill Polian went to the league competition committee and said, hey, man, they're putting their hands all over Marcus Pollard and Dallas Clark. I don't know if you guys remember that game. And they reemphasized the illegal contact. Then there was also launching yourself at a defenseless receiver right around that era. 
that's made the middle of the field extremely easy to hit tight ends mm-hmm. and, and made it so much easier for the Dallas Goddards of the world, uh, the Dalton Schultzes of the world to get 850 yards like it's nothing. That used to be a great year for a tight end, Chad. I'm sure you remember our childhood. You get 600 and something yards from a tight end oh, yeah. in the Pro Bowl. Oh, and for so, sure. Um, I think that's led to a lot of fans and draft analysts. I know this is a long meandering point, but I promise I'm going somewhere. It's just a long walk. Okay. Hey, draft two tight ends and you can use them both. I still think even with the rules changes, it's more effective. If you're going to run two tights to have one guy, that's that great slim pass catcher. And the other guy that can road grade when you need him to, you know, uh, right. he doesn't have to be a road grader, but maybe someone like a Mercedes Lewis on one side, that can still block at the point of attack, smart veteran, and then you're pass catching Dawson Knox because you still got to be able to run the clock at the end of the game. And I don't know how well the Bills can do that, for example. When they have a lead, can they run the clock not with their quarterback, with their tailback, with Cook, who you just mentioned? I think that's easier with a big blocking tight end. And I know, Marcus, there are a couple guys like that Mm -hmm. that you liked in this draft. What do you guys think about that? Well, like I said, I thought Michael Mayer would be a better fit for exactly the the reason you're talking about. But I also had always projected, I think in almost all of my mock drafts, I had the Buffalo Bills moving up for a pass catcher, like in every single one. But usually you saw a receiver, but uh, the receivers were all off the board by that time, I think. So, um, you know, maybe in their mind, they're playing positionless football, as I've talked about before, and they just got the best pass catcher they could get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, Kincaid could be like I like uh, uh, Khalil uh, Kashir, the 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 Shakir, excuse me, the Boise receiver that they mm-hmm. picked last year. I think he's going to be a really good slot for them. So uh, I, maybe they want Kincaid as that slot, but is that too close to what Dawson Knox can do? I I don't know. I mean, I I think they just it's like look, we need more weapons on offense, um, and they moved up and, and got the guy that they wanted. So, but I and I tend to agree that more of a muscle guy at the the second tight end would would have made a little more sense to me. I just think they're going to be playing more spread football, like just really leaning into it. And they needed somebody who could give them something different in the middle of the field. It's just how do you find ways to get Dawson Knox and Dalton Cade yeah. and Stephon Diggs the football? I don't know. We'll see. Right. Right. I could spend 55 minutes on this topic. I'm just going to say this. You don't want Cincinnati to come in your house and kick your butt. It might right. help your defense a little bit if you could have a more of a ball. It's great to spread the field, and it's great to score points. But the problem with those kind of offenses is what happens when they go three and out? You're, because three straight incompletions, your defense is right back out on that field. So yep. anyway, that's that point. Uh, the Detroit Lions, Chad, they're up next on your list. They got rid of their tight end that they drafted high to Minnesota, but I see it's Brian Branch, the safety here. Yeah. I know Marcus was really – Marcus said this was the best safety in the draft. This is who I thought Philadelphia should, should go get. Why do you not like this fit? Uh, I, I don't – it's not that I don't like this fit, There's, but there's questions to be – again, we're talking about guys with unanswered questions, and the question mm-hmm. is – is he the guy? Can he be as effective as he was during games for Alabama, playing in the nickel, uh, playing deep, excellent tackler, all this stuff that made him an ex? He was the best player on that defense, mm-hmm. even over Will Anderson at times. And then he worked out, and team said, "Oh, he's light." Didn't have a great workout. Doesn't have the plus athleticism we like at the position. Second round pick. And I figured he'd be a second round pick for that reason. And I also thought somebody, I thought it would be the Patriots, 
would move up to get him because they said, okay, early second round, we're going to go get this guy because he's a really good football player. So my unanswered questions about him are, is he the good player or is he going to struggle athletic with uh, staying with NFL slot receivers and, and guys deep when he's playing too deep? Can he do that? So that's the unanswered question. But I think the answer is going to be yes. But I think there's a reason that a guy a lot of people had as a top 20, 25 player in the draft went in the mid-second round. And, and that's the reason. And the other thing is, teams don't evaluate Alabama players as highly as we do because they have this feeling that they're maxed out. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to get any more out of them than than they thought. And uh, and I'm sure Brian Branch is one of those guys in their mind, that he was great in their defense. I'm not sure if he's going to be great at the NFL. So. Those are the type of unanswered questions that I think teams have about them. And I think it's going to turn out a great pick for Detroit. And Green Bay is going to wonder maybe if they should have stayed there instead of trading out of that spot and taking them. That's, you know, that's the other unanswered question here. Did Green Bay screw up by giving them to the Lions? Yes. We're going to see. Uh, I agree. There are some unanswered questions about his athleticism, but I'm not even sure it matters all that much because he's going to play in the middle of the field. He's going to make every tackle. He's going to cover tight ends. He's going to cover slot receivers. And he's just going to raise the floor of that secondary. And that's all Detroit needed. If Detroit had yeah. three competent defensive backs last year, they would have been in the playoffs. And now you're talking about him being your third, fourth, or fifth best defensive back. I I, I love this fit. Yeah, yeah they, they've remade that secondary for sure. There's always going to be a need for a safety that can close and make an open field tackle, especially with the right. Christian and the McCaffreys of the world, uh, you know, being able to go out there. I almost said Ryan Grant. I meant Aaron Jones. <laughs> I was going to go back a little ways. Congato uh, guy. Was he? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Paul Ocaruth. You know, it's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. All the same stuff, guys. I want, you know, uh, if I were Brian Branch's agent or if I was his good buddy, I would say, hey, man, when you're in these interviews and they start talking about your measurables, if they do, if they mention it at all, I literally would just tell him to say one thing. Hey, guys, y'all want to pass on me? That's fine. Because of my measurables, that's good. I'm going to kick your butt literally every time I see you. Every time. And have a total attitude about it. Say, you don't like my attitude? Fine. Pick the kid with the measurables. I'm still going to kick your butt just like I did in the SEC. By the way, the kid with the measurables couldn't even play it in the SEC. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with a player being combative as long as it's in a healthy, competitive way. And the mm-hmm. they have to believe in themselves. They have right. to believe in themselves, and they have That's to think they're want. the best guy out there. Absolutely. Right. And, and, the, and at the, the combine, they ran branch with the cornerbacks instead of the safeties, mm-hmm. and that could not have left a very good um, impression on teams to see this guy out there who's clearly a safety out there playing with 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 corners it just didn't make any sense so that didn't really help him much i think he would have looked a lot better in comparison to the other safeties which is where he should have been running with yeah uh i want to say in the nfc north well obviously i'm going to because marcus's next guy is from the chicago bears now by and large marcus i know you told me that you liked what the bears did Mm -hmm. starting before the draft by trading out of the number one spot with carolina big trade we, we, we tend to forget about these trades unless they happen on draft day. Yep. Uh, who's the Bears player, and uh, do you still feel the same way about their draft? I, I really like their draft, um, except for one pick that I just, I've got questions on. So just a little timeline, right? They, their biggest need kind of going into the offseason was defensive tackle. Matt Eberflus really needed a three technique to kind of fit his defense, right? A lot of people thought if they stayed at number one, they were going to draft Jalen Carter from Georgia. 
obviously when they traded down to number nine, uh, that was kind of out of the equation, right? Jalen Carter fell to them at number nine, and they still traded out of that spot. They swapped picks with Philadelphia, and they decided to take Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee. Fine. In round two, they took Gervin Dexter Sr. from Florida, this really big athletic defensive tackle that I'm not sure can play. And I just wonder, like, what did Matt Eberflus see here? Is he just taking the guy with the most upside, believing that he can turn him into a good NFL player? Or do they think he's already there? I'm just really fascinated by this pick. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like his tape as much as a lot of people. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of with me on, on that. However, um, I think between him and, and that's why they used the third round on Zach Pickens too. Mm-hmm. I think because they knew they needed somebody this year. And one of those two guys has to step up and be that difference. The penetrator in the middle to, to make things different. And if both of them turn out great. Um, but I think they went, they went high upside on that one. And, and I get it. I projected somebody to take him in the mid second round because of that. Um but to me, he he's not you know he's not the kind of guy that we thought they would take. Um, I, I thought they would go for more of a smaller guy with, with more of a penetrating ability, a little like bit more twitch, right? Get up the field, that's right. stuff. Right. I think what they decided they must have decided that in their defense they want the big guys to be athletic enough, but they weren't worried about whether they're going to win on the first step. And Dexter's not going to win on the first step. He certainly hasn't so far. Maybe they think their defensive line coaches can get him to do that, and and if they do. They're going to have a good fight. Uh, but more to me, he's more like Austin Johnson or some of these other defense, like more of a five tech. You can slip him in over a four, four eye, something like that, where he's going to give guard tackle combinations some, some, um, some problems. But, um, but I agree. And that's why they went with the Pickens pick a little bit later, I think, just to make sure that they have one of those guys that can get into the backfield. You know, you guys are the the draft experts, not me. You're the ones with the 20-sided die and monster manual and everything uh, right there at your desk. Marcus, I know you don't get that reference, but uh, it's okay. It's not your fault. Uh, Marcus was a ColecoVision guy, Chad. He didn't play board games uh, like we did. Um, Sorry, baby. But doesn't it beg a question here that if you're trying to get somebody that can penetrate from the defensive line, okay, and you're spending your second and third round pick to do it. Why trade down with Philadelphia that one spot? Why don't you take who Philadelphia took if Jalen Carter was the best athlete up there to begin with? That could I think we've already answered that question. I think mm-hmm. there are teams that did not want to touch Jalen Carter at all. Not with a 20-foot pole, not with a 60-foot pole. And I think that's what it came down to. I, okay. I had wow. I had the Bears taking Carter in my last mock draft, and, and they – they decided to 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 move out of there because they didn't want anything to do with them. So, uh, I think normally, in a normal situation where you, the guy didn't have some of the red flags, they would have absolutely taken him. Well, he wouldn't have lasted that long. First of all, Detroit probably would have taken him. Um, but uh, I think that I think that's the answer. Marcus, is this kind of a situation like the Patriots where they took some offensive linemen back to back to back and? You're just hoping one of these guys can play. I, you know, it's you're just it's, playing the numbers, not, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not unusual. Yeah, well, it, the, it's not like unusual a... to be loved by anyone. Oh, Actually, they you know, you know who's, who's really funny, who's really interesting is the guy they took in the seventh round, Travis Bell from Kennesaw State. He is one of these undersized guys that could end up being 
you know, in the end, he could end up being like the splash player at three technique. I, I, I can't wait to see what he can do against the against the big boys this summer. It's going to be fun. Wait a minute. Kennesaw State. Did I just hear that right? That's right. Is that like an online school? They have a rivalry with like, you know, University of Phoenix? <laughs> it's a proud university with a long tradition, mister. Just don't uh, ask me where it is. So, Marcus, you just like Chad, you watch these guys. You you watch the you know, the day three guys as well as anybody out of this list that you and Chad picked. Um, who's the one that's the biggest question mark for you out of all eight of these guys that you're really oh, wondering how's this going to work out? It's Jalen Carter, right? Because if Carter works out, he could be one of the top three or five defensive players in the league, like not just defensive tackles, like he could be a super, super star but it also might be so bad that he doesn't even make it to year three of his rookie contract. I, yeah. I think the, the range of outcomes here is massive. What about for yeah, you're you, You're talking Jack? like Fletcher Cox versus Albert Hainsworth. I mean, yeah. that's, what you're, yeah. that's what you're talking about. Is it the uh, same for you, Chad? Do you think he's the biggest question mark here on y'all's main yeah. board? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I have a lot, uh, like, again, Quentin Johnston is another one that I, I – I really see a lot of the same things I've seen in many receivers going late in the first round that just don't turn out. Um, and, and that's what I see in him too. So we'll, we'll see. I want to get a final thought from each of y'all. My final thought here is we hear so much about how valuable a first round pick is, especially top 10, like top 10 pick teams guarded, like, you know, fans are so locked in that love the draft. This is why I'm so cynical about the draft. If the top 10 pick is so important, then why do you spend a ninth overall pick on a guy that 20 other teams don't want to touch? That just makes no sense to me. I get the upside, but uh, if, if a top 10 pick really is that valuable, you don't roll the dice like that. You want to roll the dice at 29? That's one thing, not number nine. Just just my final well, thought. But uh, I'd love to hear a final thought. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there real quick, Elliot, because there's a lot of ego when it comes to these GMs, right? Yeah. I, I think these GMs want to be like, hey, I am the guy that had the balls to take him, and it worked <laughs> out for us because I had the, we have the locker room culture. You guys don't have it. So watch us turn this guy into a superstar. I think that plays a big factor here. Yeah, the other thing is not all top ten – like. There was a group of eight players at the top of the draft that teams saw as the top players in the draft, okay? Um, and then after that, it was Carter and Wright and Skaronsky and all these other guys. So the top 10 players aren't all considered elite in a, in a draft, typically. So I think what, what we saw was after Bijan Robinson went, then the next group of, because of the off-field, I mean, athletically, Carter was should have belonged in that elite group. And this is very similar to like Rashawn Gary a couple of years ago, where athletically he had all the, you know, chance of the world, but teams couldn't quite put him in that top tier or put him at the very bottom. And the Packers are like, okay, we got to take this guy now because, you know, it just, it's that time to take him. So I think that's what happened with Carter is that the off field stuff took him out of that elite or put him at the very end of that elite group. And at that point, then the bears or the Eagles just had to take him. So top 10, can, it's just like first round, right? There aren't like 32 first round guys and the first guy in the second round is, you know, that's, it's just kind of an arbitrary number. So I think that's, that's part of that equation too. Gotcha. So this is our last draft podcast. I, I, I said, I wanted a final thought from each of you guys. I'm kind of curious, just y'all's each of you, what's the one thing that you either learn from this draft 
for you was reaffirmed to you in this draft? Like, Marcus, you can't say running backs don't matter because that was not reaffirmed. <laughs> yeah. But um, at least not for other people. Uh, what For both of you, what was kind of the one thing you took away from this draft that maybe, because you guys are both experts at it. I give Marcus a hard time, Chad, but he's as knowledgeable as just about anybody I know uh, outside of yourself. Uh, so either one of you. Chad, I'll go first. Uh, my first one is that I think Brock Purdy changed the way that teams view day mm. three quarterbacks. We usually only get three or four quarterbacks that go on day three. This year, we got three quarterbacks that went in round four, four that went in round five, one in round six, and one in round seven. I think teams are just way more aggressive now drafting a quarterback and you know, waiting to see what happens because you just never know with these guys. And if it only costs a fifth round pick to take a swing at a quarterback, why not do it? Yeah, uh, I think I think that's smart. I think the run once the run started, it was not going to end until Sean Clifford's name was was called. So uh, I think I think that's I think that's smart. I think. What did I learn? You know, the most important thing that we should all take away from this draft is that I nailed Washington's seventh round pick, number 233, Andre Jones Jr. out of Louisiana. That's the most important thing that we need to take away from this. What a call. Uh, You know, from, no, honestly, I think it's it's so much more fun it's so much more fun when there are trades when we don't know what's going on during the you know coming into the draft that just reaffirmed it to me because this was a lot of fun i mean i work and i don't have a lot of fun during it but like after the fact i'm like i'm so glad there were some trades more trades than i thought there would be i'm so glad that we didn't know the order of the quarterbacks you know coming in because of all the you know that that's what makes it fun that's what makes it worth worth doing and just watching some dude name some names on a screen right so that's what that's what i loved about it and uh i i just love the the intrigue and all that stuff it's just it makes it fun and um you know that's that's what i'm going to take away from it last thing elliot really quickly before we go football outsiders had a a piece came out today on uh they graded the they took the top 20 nfl draft analysts and took their draft rates and stacked them up to see who was the highest and who was the lowest uh, mm-hmm. First of all, Chad, you had the highest average GPA across all teams, which was yeah. cool. Uh, you were also the lowest on the Eagles draft class among everybody in the league. You had him at an A minus. Well, I, because I <laughs> took some risk in this Jalen Carter pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I had to. I had to say, hey, this, this may not work. This may not work. And and yeah, I'm an easy grader. That's fine. But here's the thing, like. It doesn't make me feel any better about myself to give people D's and F's just because. Yeah, because you never I, know. I think so, so like, I'm good. And we know that you're an overall not NFL guy, not a team guy, because you're wearing the the right. NFL right hat exactly. right now. The, this is my the, team, the, baby. This is my team. The, we're going to so play unlike Rob other Lowe actors, in the crowd. Unlike other actors who wore di- similar uh, hats and different, like he was just like Joe Fan, right? Like, but this is yes. my team, so I get to wear this hat. Uh man, I want one. <laughs> Look, and and I should say, Chad, you know, just because you graded well when you play D anD D, you know, some dungeon masters were really harsh. Some were a little right. bit easier. You know, they only gave you like a couple goblins to fight, not like you know the big dragons. Okay, I'm sure. done with that. Uh, listen, you can get all these kinds of takes uh, if you read NFL.com. Chad has been writing there for a really long time. Uh, obviously, you can Google his name. It's C H A D R E U T E R. 
tons of great content. And uh, do you still do the seven round mock draft every year? Oh yeah. That is a beast. I can't even imagine doing a seven round mock. Uh, Marcus also uh, does his share of spreadsheets and mock drafts too. You can catch his takes on Locked On Cowboys, writes for Pro Football Focus, and of course covers the Raiders for USA Today, Raiders Wire. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. Chad is Chad underscore Ryder on Twitter. And I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys, Chad. We appreciate you. And until uh, next time, hopefully we won't talk about the draft for about. 28 months. Two weeks. Call you next week, Marcus. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.